Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac. Over to the far side. Kairou trying to hold it in, but that puck gets cleared out, and Tori Krug's going to go to get it. Pareko with some time. Delayed penalty against the Sharks. Kairou shoots. He scores! Jordan Kairou. It was coming for him. He finally got it. He's had a good game. And with 9.32 to go here in the third period, the Blues are back on top 5-4. And the Blues hold on in their home opener over the Sharks last night. Welcome into Scoops with Danny Mack. Coming up, you'll hear from the president of baseball operations, John Mosellock. Dan McLaughlin with you, and that is Alex Ferrario. He had the pre and the post and the intermissions last night of St. Louis Blues hockey. Cairo with the game winner, and uh, as I always like to do, to preview and go to the the post-mortem, if you will. <laughs> sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but last night it was good. Slow start, but the Blues got it going. They win it. Alex Ferrario, 5-4. to four. Um, My guys that I said had to come through, they're coming through. I, I, I said Cairo, I said Falk, I said Bennington. These are my guys. Now, can they do it for the next, uh, let's see, 53 games? We'll find out, but so far, so good. You know, Danny, I was gonna, I was worried you were going to bury the lead there, that you weren't going to talk about how they were your guys. But I know <laughs> I should have known better. We're going to talk about that. You were right. I mean, look, I had told you in the preseason kind of view that two guys needed to be big for me this season were Jordan Bennington and Jordan Cairo, and you picked three of them. And you said those two, and then the guy who was the number one star last night, the guy who shined. The guy that all of the uh, naysayers can be a little more quiet about. It was Justin Falk. And I said, and you ripped me. I did rip you. you, I said, terrible. You were destroying me about three weeks ago. I said, put an A on him. And you got, oh, no, no, yeah. no, no. Don't said, well, do it. I said, no, I think you, you know what? You show him, you're going to have faith in him. I said, put an A on his sweater. Danny, you need more sleep when you say things like that. Yeah. No, look, uh, you could go with the A's on anybody you wanted to I there. Know. I think they made the right decisions. But look, Justin Falk is, he's now a leader in that locker room, regardless if he has a letter. And I know he's only been there for two years, but he's a veteran. He's been in the league now close to 10 years. He's going to be a guy that people look to when they have questions. And that's yeah. Justin Falk. But hey, how can you argue with? the stash right now the mustache the mustachio fits in in the 70s the 80s the 90s the 2000s hey look i'm just i'm not i'm I'm gonna put my tinfoil hat on danny because that's what i do have tinfoil ferrario as jamie likes to call me Uh when justin falk was an all-star he was in carolina he was a hurricane and he had that mustache yeah he brought it back he didn't have the mustache last year he brought the mustache back and what are we talking about right now two goals in three games come on now yeah, looks pretty good. Yeah, and he's playing in a lot of different situations. Mm-hmm. I like how, I, I like what I'm seeing. This yeah. is more indicative of the player that the Blues thought they were going to get a year ago, and maybe it was it was the byproduct of feeling him, you know, feeling his way through what yeah. was a transition period to a new organization, uh, the cup transition year, all those things, and just kind of feeling his way through it. Yeah, I think it's finding that that permanent home on the ice. First of all, you know, again, taking all the variables that went into last season. I mean, the one that always stands out to me that I know sounds so cliche, but I mean, the fact that he was on a team that was celebrating a Stanley Cup championship and he was the only new face on that, that roster. He was in the locker room, as Joe Vitale tells, on the opening night ceremony 
ceremony in Enterprise Center when they raised the banner. He was sitting in the locker room by himself. That's not an easy thing to feel like you're a part of the team. But beyond that, his actual play on the ice, when you're on the left side, when you're on the right side, when you're playing with Petrangelo, when you're playing with Pareko, this guy, that guy, it's not easy. He's been with Scandella now this entire training camp. He's been with Scandella these first three games. Has he looked incredible? No. I mean, he's been on the ice for a lot of goals against. He's been matched up against some of these top lines, and he's been scored on. But I think defensively, he's still... He's not a liability on the ice, which is what you ask for right now. He and Marco Scandella create a very good pairing defensively if they get the right matchup. But Justin Falk's positives are the fact that he is an offensive weapon. And I had told BK this last week. Don't be surprised that he doesn't put up points, even if he's not on the power play, because he jumps up into the rush. Marco Scandella is the stay-at-home defenseman. And look what we saw last night. He nearly had multiple opportunities to have a hat trick. We're also seeing Cairo with his speed, everything kind of coming together for him. It, it started day one of training camp. I, I, I'm seeing a different player, more confident player, and I, again, saw it again last night. Yeah, I, we're, I'm going to put a, a Ferrario five-piece out at about noon today, Dan, and that was my number two takeaway from that game was Jordan Cairo. His speed alone is what people need to be talking about tonight. The goal that was scored by Braden Shen in that second period was created by Jordan Kairou. Kairou took the puck up the far side boards. He outskated Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson, in a lot of people's minds, is one of the fastest skating defensemen in the National Hockey League right now. He outskated him, took the puck to the net with that shot, and then, of course, it resulted in the goal. Barubi said after the game last night that he is playing with confidence. You see that offensively, that shot that he had as the game winner. That's confidence right there from a young player who will take the shot when he has the opportunity. But it's the responsibility right now for Cairo. The only reason he's seeing north of 12, 13, 14 minutes of ice time is because he's not a liability out there. He's back checking that led to two separate goals last night on the ice. So Jordan Cairo, he's responsible. He's confident. And he's fast. And all of these factors are turning into a top six winger for the Blues. So the Blues were down 2 nothing. What have you thought about the play of, of Bennington? He, he's bent. At times, he is broke a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, it's been okay. It hasn't been great. What have you thought? See, I, I'm on the other side of that. I think he's actually been great for the Blues. And I know people are going to say, well, he gave up four goals against Colorado. But if you go back and look at that game on Friday night, Dan, the four goals that he gave up, three of those four, he had no opportunity on. Two of those three were at even strength where it was just miscommunication defensively where there was nobody in the slot and it was a one-time shot from in front of the face-off circles I don't know if Patrick Waugh is stopping that shot you know so on top of that the power play goals I mean we all know by now this power play's terrible Dan like are the penalty kill on my mistake Boy, it's bad. they gotta figure what out what yep. to do with that but they're leaving too many guys in the slot but he's given up goals yes but they're goals that I don't think he has a lot of chances on other than that, he's been huge when they need him to be. I mean, go to that first period last night, Dan. San Jose could have had three or four goals. And I know that's what you always say when it comes to goaltenders. Oh, he could have given up three or four more. But they're high danger shots from the opposition. And if Bennington's making those saves, that's the important factor. But the one I always take into consideration when I watch the goalie play, and Darren Pang talked about this last night with us on the postgame show, is how they do when the game is back on their team's side. So the Blues are down, right? Everybody's heads are dipped. You open up that second period, you score two goals within a minute 45. Everyone's kind of feeling it. They're hyped up. The coaches on the bench are clapping. They're tapping guys on the back. How does your goaltender perform at that moment? Because if he gives up a goal, 
Well, that's not what you want. You want a guy who can make that save when he needs to be. He made two different saves, one on Tomas Hurdle and one on Brent Burns after the Blues tied things up, which gave the Blues that momentum to keep pushing. Now, San Jose scored on the power play, made it 3-2, but because those guys know that their goaltender's there to make the saves when they need them to, they play more confident. So although the numbers don't look like a number one franchise goaltender in a lot of people's eyes, He's picked up two of three wins, and those two of three wins have all been because of Jordan Bennington in my eyes. Three games in, uh, Pareko, eh, Krug, eh. Yeah. What have you thought? Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat as you. Look, offensively, Krug picked up his first assist last night. Pareko I I, picked up as an assist. Special teams have got to get better on both ends. That's the problem right now. I mean, Dan, it's so hard to evaluate this team overall because at five on five, they're great. Yes. It's power play and it's penalty kill. You have not scored a power play goal yet this season. I think you've had nine opportunities now in three games and nothing to show for it. They're getting shots, but they're just not the power play we thought Not they the were. opportunities yeah, I thought. And, and look, Craig Berube switched the power play units up already, and yep. that's going to keep happening. You want some chemistry out there. I think that will come with time. Colton Pareko, I don't think, is going to see that much power play time because Dunn and Kruger are out there. But don't be surprised if Craig Berube switches up and says, hey, Pareko, let's put your slap shot out there and see what it can do. Defensively, though, I just don't know if it's working right now. They seem to be kind of off with each other in terms of communication and chemistry on the ice. And that's going to happen. Pareko's played his last, what, five years with Jay Bomeister. Um, but defensively, they're just getting caught in their own zone. It's a little too slow of a start for the Blues overall. But I think Pareko and Krug are getting the brunt end of that because they're matched up with that top unit. Um, I don't think they're going to make changes right away because, frankly, the Blues won and Craig Brewery doesn't make changes when they win. Coaches get fired up. They the do way. get fired up. And, we saw and last night. Yeah, Barubi's going to move stuff around as much as possible. <laughs> but look, Dan, I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to at least just experiment and see what a Krug and Falk look like on the ice with a Pareko and Scandella. That was your shutdown pairing. Maybe you can match that up with that top unit, and then you can see what Krug and Falk can do. Krug and Falk might be a liability defensively, but Frankly, for me, you have to get the best out of Colton Pareko if you want to have success this season. So, uh, let's see. we got a game uh, coming up. Tomorrow we, night. Yep. And it's these back-to-backs. Yeah. I, I kind of love them. I do, too. These are kind of fun. I'm, I'm, you know, when I saw it initially on the schedule, I thought, well, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Now that I'm seeing it played out. Yeah. Get nasty. It, I watch these games all over the place. Yep. Get nasty. Man. I loved it too. Last night, Marco Scandella took like three hacks at Tomas yes. Hurdle in front of the the the, uh, the goal uh, because he was getting too close to Bennington. And, and that's what's going to be cool about this season. We're still in the beginning stages yep. of this. Dan, wait till about a month. Yes, wait till you see this team again. Yep. So like they're playing San Jose, they play L.A. on Saturday, Sunday. But wait till the next time you take on the San Jose Sharks. Wait till you play Vegas one week and then play Vegas again the next week that's when things are going to get dirty. Panger said this last night on the post game, and I loved it. This is why I think these baseball series are going to be so much fun. And the NHL should, should consider it moving forward because you're going to have the storylines with it. You're going to remember Scandella and Tomas hurdle. Remember that matchup because they might throw down, or maybe somebody steps up at Scandella because of those hacks. Like you don't forget. Whereas in the regular season, you play San Jose in January. Maybe you see them again in March, 
you don't care about what happened in January. Right. But these guys are going to remember all of these these situations because you play them seven more times. Yeah, it's I fun. love it. I love it. So will guys get out on the ice today, or how do you think Craig Berube is going to start handling these practices? Leave it up to some of the veterans, whether or not they want to skate, that kind of thing? Yeah, the way I think it's going to work is, is like this, where they have the off day and then they play tomorrow. It's going to be optional. I would imagine to where it's like, hey, you know, come out, skate around if you want to, but make sure you're here to just get checked out. They'll all go to the rink, which I think they're at Centene, if I'm not mistaken today. They'll go out there. They might skate. They might not skate, but they'll make sure that they're taking the rest that they need to. Tomorrow, I would imagine, will be an optional morning skate as well. What you'll see is you'll see when there's multiple days in between, like we did over the weekend. Friday, they traveled. Saturday, they took the day off, but Sunday, they had a practice. And then yesterday, they had the optional morning skate. So I think it's going to be something like that, but something like today, I would imagine it's going to be optional for those guys that play 20-plus minutes to make sure that they're ready to go for tomorrow night. Good stuff, man. Thanks. Thanks, Danny Mack. All right, we'll have you uh, tuned in coming up at the top of the hour uh, with BK. A couple of uh, baseball notes. If you didn't see it, Joe Musgrove is part of a three-team deal. Musgrove is with the Pirates. He's now going to the Padres. The Padres have made all these moves, and none of their top five prospects, by the way, have been traded away. Matter of fact, I'm not sure any of the top ten have been traded away in these deals. I got to wonder how bad the Pirates are going to be this year. Josh Bell is gone. Musgrove is gone. The back end of their bullpen hasn't been re-signed. It's going to be a long year. We were talking about it in the crossover that uh, John Lester is is signing a one-year deal with an option for the Nationals, so he's not going back to the Chicago Cubs. What we're going to do is take a quick timeout. You'll hear the conversation I had with John Mosellock, president of baseball operations. A lot of different subjects covered concerning the St. Louis Cardinals. This was part of the Cardinals' winter warm-up, and you can see that, all the different conversations at cardinals.com slash www. And we'll do that next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mac on a Tuesday and a chance to catch up with John Mosellock. This is from the Cardinals winter warm-up. And I should remind everybody that there are uh, interviews with Bill DeWitt III, uh, Cardinals owner Bill DeWitt Jr., uh, John Mosellock that you'll hear here, general manager Michael Gersh, Gary LaRock, also Randy Flores. That is open to the public. Just go to cardinals.com slash WWU. And this is from my interview with John Mosellock. I'm going to play some portions of this interview with Mo. Kind of a wide-ranging interview. And we started our conversation beginning with 2020 and then looking ahead to 2021 but uh, touching upon a lot of different subjects. And I I asked him about just kind of catching your breath after the 2020 season and reflecting on what took place last year. You know, it's sort of interesting, right? Because you talk about having that time to catch your breath and reflect back. Baseball doesn't stop. Um, If you recall, like right after uh, we were eliminated by San Diego, I mean, we went into meetings right away to start looking at what we're going to do from a roster standpoint, how we're going to look at revenues, how we're going to look at trades. And, you know, even though we didn't have, quote, the GM meetings or the winter meetings, it was still a very hectic offseason. And, you know, it hasn't had maybe the pace you might normally see in the offseason. And that's because we're in a pandemic. And so, you know, people are very concerned about what 2021 is going to look like. But, you know, there is some optimism, obviously, with vaccines and, and, and the thought of having fans back in the ballpark, that that's making us all feel good about things. But when you ask me about 
those 60 games are really what we experienced in 2020. And I, I would say it this way. It was probably the most uh, challenging year that I have ever been a part of. And even though it was condensed, even though um, we were able to have still success on the field, it was still very unique in the sense that we never actually put the team we thought we were going to put out there on the field. And so even though we didn't you know, achieve what we hoped to, we still achieved a lot and we still have a lot to be proud of. I'll get to 2021. A lot of questions with that in a moment. But let's go back to 2020. Um, pull the curtain back a little bit for fans that, you know, are just watching. And you can understand fans are saying, hey, I tune in. I watch the games. It's baseball players on the field. I love the Cardinals. This is my team. Hey, I want to watch baseball. But there was so much for you guys just to get on the field. It was incredible, the amount of testing, how tough it was to travel, the things that went into this just to get on the field. Without getting too far into that, can you pull back the curtain a little bit and give us an idea of what that was like? You know, really, I think um, when you look back at the fact that we were able to finish our season, given the fact that we had that outbreak, um, I, I really credit like Adam Olson and his staff. Um, you think about guys like Mark Walsh, Ernie Moore. I mean, these guys were the glue. Um, they, they figured out ways to allow us to keep moving forward. And I think back to that quarantine in Milwaukee, and at the time I didn't know if we were going to play again. And then to get to get back to St. Louis, and then I, I recall this like it was yesterday, having dinner with my family that Thursday night, and all of a sudden my phone rings, and it's three more positives. Mm. And, you know, right then we were shut down, of course, and, and we weren't allowed back on the field until that following uh, Thursday. And so, you know, thinking, OK, we're going to go play baseball. You think about how much time and preparation we do in spring training to get ready for the season. Here, literally, we weren't on the field for 17 days. And so we had no idea what to expect. We had no idea if we were going to see more injuries, you know, what we were going to be uh, at risk of. And then you think back to that first trip into Chicago where we have the doubleheader with the White Sox, uh, single game, and then a doubleheader, single game, doubleheader with the, with the Cubs. And, you know, to get through that gauntlet where we didn't really lose anything, you know, we took a step forward. And so when I think back to all the people that, that helped keep that going, it's really amazing. And, you know, Mike Shilton, his staff did a tremendous job to just keep players engaged because it was different. Um, you'd show up to the ballpark later. You would have a lot less pregame work. You'd have a lot less pregame strategy meetings. And so, you know, ultimately trying to keep people engaged and, and, and focused on something was was no easy task. But, you know, we got through it. We learned a lot. And, um, you know, as you start thinking about 2021, I think a lot of the things we learned are going to have to go into practice moving forward. What are some of those things? Is it preparation, time at the ballpark, getting guys away from the ballpark? Did we do too much before that we now can do in a condensed time? You know, those kind of things. We, I always say on the broadcast, you know, we, we see the and you know this, Mo, more better than anybody. The, the, the coaches are piling into a van at 10 o'clock in the morning, heading to the ballpark. Do we really need to do that? I mean, we learn to communicate differently, all those things. So what do we learn going out of this? I think we'd all agree that, that we can do things differently, right? Even you, even I. I mean, we, we, we know we can do things differently. And so when you think about some of those changes that are going to have to happen probably in 2021, I do think it might be actually good for the game because it might mean that your coaches aren't piling into a van at, at 10 or 10.30 in the morning. And maybe they, they will understand that some of those meetings they could do at the hotel, they could use Zoom um, as, as, a, as a platform to 
be able to communicate and and hopefully they understand like getting to the ballpark at at one or two is not the end of the world and I think players realize that too I mean as you know like a lot of our starting pitchers we would just Mm -hmm. once they got their work in they went home for the night so we were just trying to eliminate or minimize headcount as best we could and so I do think some of those practices that we learned last year will definitely go into play this year and I hope people look at what we've learned see it as a benefit and not more of like Oh, you're just telling me what I can and cannot do. Sure. So we'll see. Yeah. What's also fun to hear is that the commissioner comes out. If you're a fan, you want to see baseball, you want to see spring training start on time. So sounds like at least right now we're going to start on time. What, what can you tell our fans about this? Yeah. So as of Tuesday, I was still reluctant to even begin to hit the go button yeah. on what to do and when to head down. But, you know, right now I've told my staff that everybody should start planning to, to head down there. Uh, report date for us, I believe pitchers and catchers is the 17th. And so, you know, clearly we got to think about sort of a plan A, plan B, plan C on what spring training is going to look like. Because, you know, one thing when you're holding our, our spring training camp 2.0 here, where we had the one field, but we would stagger when the players would come and go. Um, down there, we're going to have a lot more space because we won't have the minor leagues joining us at the time. And then, of course, we have access to six and a half fields. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do think we can can really um, optimize our time a little differently than what you saw here in, in uh, Camp 2.0. But I want to be careful, too, because we could have upwards of 80 players in that camp. So we'll see. Yeah, you just answered my next question. So I was going to ask you, do you go with a 40-man roster or do you you have spring invitees? You get all kinds of guys down there. Yeah, we haven't officially put that out yet. But we're going to probably need somewhere between 75 and 80 players because – I think our third or fourth game is a split squad. Right. So, right, I mean, you're tested right away. And and so, like, we also want to have at some point where we can create sort of a parallel camp or a secondary camp with players that we no longer need in this one. And so, and then you have a place to option a player if need be. Okay. Um, in terms of industry-wide, now that we hear that baseball is – hopefully coming you know about a month away and we've got it at spring training in, in february and wherever it be in arizona jupiter wherever in florida do you think we're going to see more movement with you know team signing players or trades or things of that nature because you have a better idea of maybe payroll or or what's coming through the turnstiles what's not coming through the turnstiles those kind of things i know it's a broad-based question but hopefully that gives you a little idea where i'm going with this yeah i think like you know if we were doing this on stage in a normal setting people are going to ask about what's happening with the free agent market right so let's just start there and clearly to answer that question i can't speak for 29 other clubs but like anybody, like a fan, I can see what's happening in the industry. And, you know, there's certainly been a handful of teams that have been very active and very aggressive on what they're trying to do. I do think there are other teams that are just concerned about revenue. So naturally, there's going to be that drag on what happens um, in that market. Do I think you're going to still see something between now and spring training starting? Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's so many players out there. There's going to be jobs that need to be filled. But I do think people are taking a very cautious approach 
to, to building their team. And I also think you know you can then draw parallels to even that on the trade market. Um, I still think there'll be some trades that happen. Um, they might not be as uh, big of magnitude as what you see on the free agent side, but there's going to be a lot of baseball transactions that happen between now and the beginning of camp. And it wouldn't even shock me if remember like when we had Kyle Loesch and we signed him. And oh yeah, it was like you know mid March. It wouldn't shock me to see some of that happen this year, too, where people get in the camp, people look at what they have, and maybe reassess and do something different. To your point about will they have a better idea of what revenues look like by then? Possibly. Mm -hmm. I mean, the more time you can buy to when you understand when you can open up your gates and how many people you can have come to your stadium is going to drive a lot of this. But, you know, we always talk about sort of, you know, each team is sort of your own entity and each team has their own certain rules. But a lot of this is based on your state and your local government on sure. what you can and cannot do. So um, we're not all playing from a level playing field this year. And, um, you know, that's something that I think has created some of this slowness in the offseason. But I think most people that are watching this or listening to me understand that there's so much uncertainty in the world right now. It's, it's, it's hard to blame anyone. I'll continue the conversation with Mo after this brief time out got to tell you about ryan kelly as we know most of us have spent a lot of time in the house over the last several months and maybe you've been thinking it's time for a change it's time for a new home you are not alone the home loan expert pre-approving record numbers of borrowers all searching for that perfect house and if you're ready for a change the first step it's getting pre-approved and the home loan expert will get you in that new house in just a few short weeks. So get pre-approved today at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, our good friend here in St. Louis, does a ton in our community. He has been in the industry for 17 years. He has never seen interest rates this low. At the Home Loan Expert office, they're locking in rates in the twos and they're saving their clients hundreds, even thousands of dollars a month. And the best part, when you do a refinance with the home loan expert you will skip two months of mortgage payments so take the time get pre-approved today at the five minute loan approval it's only available at the homeloanexpert.com that is ryan kelly do yourself a favor get pre-approved today the five minute loan approval only available at the homeloanexpert.com more of what you want to hear scoops with danny mac in podcast form on 101 espn this is 101 ESPN and the conversation with John Mozalock from the Cardinals winter warm-up and some of the, the points of emphasis that I picked out from this conversation. Again, you can go to the Cardinals website, cardinals.com slash WWU, and it's free to the public on some of those visits with uh, Cardinals owner Bill DeWitt, uh, Bill DeWitt III, the Cardinals president. There is uh, conversations with Gary LaRock and Randy Flores, Michael Gersh, and so on and so forth. But this is the one with John Mozalock. And now we start to focus on uh, 2021. And I asked him about minor league players that missed an entire season, those that did not go to the alternate site, and what they may look like having missed so much time and trying to get back into the swing of things and playing baseball baseball in 2021 how are they going to look I, I don't think these guys are going to miss much I really really don't. I know because they people that take this job seriously they're training 12 months a year anyway and you know I, I see a lot of video on guys hitting off machines guys trying to um, face live pitching as, as best they can now you can't replicate a season by doing that I understand that but 
I think guys are going to probably have a little extra bounce in their step because they're just going to be happy to be back on a field and organized baseball. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to being able to welcome that group of players down and see what we have. But, you know, the only bummer part of this year is probably that we're not going to be running parallel. Right. Because you know, the head count just wouldn't be be allowed for us to, to manage that. So I'm hopeful that, you know, early April, minor league camps can, can open. And I'm hoping by sometime in early May, they can be given the clearance to go play. And so my fingers are crossed. And, um, you know, I know these guys are going to get to play baseball this year. Though. Yeah, our folks in Memphis and Springfield and other places that are tuned into this are curious, when can I watch baseball again? So you're hopeful maybe April, May, that kind of I'm area. very confident that we'll see baseball this year. Okay. Um, in terms of your team, what, what do you like about your team that's coming back in 2021? Well, you know, when I think about our, our club, I mean, we were really built around pitching. I still think we'll be a very good defensive club. I think... Uh, you know, look, we got to pick it up offensively. We, we, we know that. And whether that means we have some additions between now and the time we start, um, whether that means some of the players that performed last year were hoping to perform better. But, you know, overall, I think we're just a good baseball team. And, um, you know, I think Mike Chilton and his staff do a great job of preparing these guys. I think there's a was a definite positive takeaway from our season last year. I think players were engaged. Um, and, and, and ultimately, I think you know, look, we've got a bright future coming with our farm system. You know, we're excited about where we are. And it's hard to sort of put a bow on our club today because there's still some time. Mm-hmm. And and there's still some things that may or may not happen. So, you know, for me to, like, try to write the conclusion to what I think 2021 is going to look like, I can't. But I can say that I think we'll, we'll be an exciting team to watch. Um, you know, there's no doubt that our the Central seems like it's it's – opened mm-hmm. um and uh you know <laughs> yes, I, I, hopefully we can uh take advantage of that and um would be good news for us um you made the decision with the wong situation it, it's still i'm just going to say it's open door but nothing's been closed but tommy edmund right now would be the second baseman going in currently constructed is that the way you look at it yeah i, I you know one of the things we were trying to do and, and, and i've said this you know, when we were looking at, at sort of like financial flexibility and what we were trying to do, we really only had one lever to pull. And so we pulled it. And, you know, we'll find out if we can redeploy that somewhere else or if, if something else comes along the line that, that makes sense for us. But um, that was really the purpose of it. And, and look, Tommy Edmond is someone that when you're, when you're fortunate and you have a positive development stream of, of players coming, be able to give them the opportunity. And I've always said this about our system is we try to create opportunity for players. And, you know, nothing's worse than, than if you're not able to do that and they go out and perform somewhere else. So, you know, that's the key to this. This may dovetail into some other things, but uh, did you like the DH in the National League and do you expect it? And then the other thing I'm going to ask you, for, expect it for 2021, um, would you expect any of the things that we saw implemented because of the truncated season being used in 2021 just because maybe it was good for baseball? Yeah, those, those are really good questions, and I think we would have heard those on stage. Because um, I always get asked the DH question, Yeah, right? I, I do like the game better without the DH because I just feel it's more strategic. So I think the manager's forced to understand, you know, what's in front of him versus it's a little bit simplified when you don't have to worry about those types of pitching changes. Mm-hmm. So having said that, um, 
you know, a team that could use a little offensive boost. You know, if I'm looking at this from a purely short view, I don't think it'd be the, the worst thing in the world. But regardless of really what I think, I think it's coming, whether it's this year or next year. I just think there's a lot of momentum for it. And um, so, you know, 10 years ago, if we were having this conversation, I probably would have said not in my lifetime, but right. <laughs> things move quickly. Yeah. And then you look at some of the other things that happened last year, like the seven-inning doubleheaders. Um, first off, typically you don't want to do doubleheaders because, you know, you lose gate. Um, you're, you're trying to maximize using those split doubleheaders. But, you know, the way things worked out last year, I thought they were very helpful. And I thought the extra inning rule was really good. Um, you know, you and I are people that go to every single baseball game, right? Yep. And so when we're sitting there in the 14th inning with, you know, 1,500 of our favorite fans, and if you sit in my seat, right. you're, then all of a sudden I've got, pitching. Then I got three or four pitching changes i got to make the next right. day. And I only have two guys on my roster who I can option, and one of them just pitched six innings for us. Right. right? It's just a horrible dynamic. So sure. um, I, I was speaking to a, a lot of agents about that, and um, just sort of because we were kicking the, the conversation of, you know, what was good, what was bad, what would you keep, just like you're asking me. And when I explained to them the, the extra inning rule, they never thought about it that way. And I'm like, well, you're the first guy that yells at me when I option your player. Exactly. So, you know, like, think about this as a way that's going to help control roster movement and probably will uh, mitigate some of those moves that you normally would make. Do you think pitching – this may be a tough question, too. I don't know if it's industry-wide or how the Cardinals are viewing this, but I'll just throw this at you. Do you think pitching in 2021, especially early on, will we see shorter outings because of a truncated season and guys weren't fully built up to, let's say, 180 innings last year or even 200? Teams are going to be really careful with those guys. Do you, do you think well, that would be the case? I do. I, I almost feel like it's it's a little bit of like what we had to do last year mm-hmm. after the seven day, seventeen day um, delay. Because if you think back to when we returned, our starting pitchers were going you know forty to fifty pitches exactly. And you know that's why I still think that that whole trip to Chicago was so amazing. You know we're facing the Cubs and their starters are going seven eight innings. You know we're in our bullpen after the second, right? Right. And so it was just sort of like an a, a amazing little journey. But yeah, I think people are going to have to be cognizant of that. And you know the good news for us though is like when you look at our pitching depth, we have a lot of guys who can eat innings. And so I think you know mapping out a strategy where where we can allow piggyback type model I think will be uh, will be built for that I was looking minus Wainwright because we don't know if he's coming back or not we'll talk about that in a moment but you had something like 20 21 almost 22 guys that could contribute this year potentially or yeah. have contributed I mean so depth on your pitching is something that obviously you have as a major strength going into this year yeah, I can assure you that's probably what I get the most phone calls on. I bet. Right? And um, especially some of these younger guys that uh, maybe aren't quite as proven, but they had nice, you know, uh, debuts last year. Mm-hmm. And so that was good to see. But, yeah, I think, like, when I look at our, our, our depth, I think we're going to be protected that way. And, you know, ultimately, I think for us, it's going to be, you know, the strategy to get through 162 this year is going to be, it's going to be challenging. Like, mm-hmm. Let's make, make no mistake about it, especially when you when you when you think about like normal buildup. When you think about a pitcher coming back from Tommy John, right, and they might have only gotten 105 innings or something in in that year, you usually don't jump them to 200 the following year, right? Sure. And that's sort of to your point. How are you going to navigate that bridge? 
It's going to be tricky. Speaking of which, uh, Hicks coming off Tommy John and Miles Michaelis with the elbow issue that he had. How, how are those two looking? Uh, both are looking great. Um, actually, they're both down in Jupiter now, so you know they're already starting to uh, have that itch. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing with uh, Hicks we have to be careful of is just you know knowing where he's at physically and and not trying to push too fast with him. So. That's going to be one where, you know, once we see a ball in his hand, once we actually see him in person, then we can start, you know, really building what his 2021 should look like. Okay. Miles, you know, right now, um, you know, he was rehabbing up in in St. Louis here for most of the fall, and, and he looked great. I mean, he... He felt like he was ready to go. So I don't really think he'll have any limitations. And so obviously putting that type of arm back in the rotation will be helpful. And I actually think, you know, he was dealing with this for some time. So I think he feels pretty good about where he's at. Your outfielders, it's always a subject of, you know, people want to talk about. Yes. <laughs> Hey, it's okay. We, we can talk about it, though. Um, so, Justin Williams, just make sure I'm right, out of options, correct? Out of options. Okay, so you got Lane Thomas, and you had mentioned on a Zoom before, he did, did deal with COVID last year, and he was one of the guys that just didn't look quite right when he came back, so hopefully everything's good there. You got Bader. You got a Gold Glove winner in in uh, Tyler O'Neal. Uh, you got Dylan Carlson. You got Dexter Fowler. So you got a, plet- a plethora of guys out there. What are you expecting? What do you want to see from your young group of outfielders in specifically? Well, <laughs> big question. Um, you know, I think, I think when, you, when you have an honest question or an honest answer to that one is even go back a year and you think about like a Rosarena. Mm-hmm. And here's a player that, that we, we couldn't find at bats for. We put him in a deal, and then, of course, he becomes legendary in October. That's sort of my greatest fear, like like making sure that we give these guys some true chance. And I have a hard time accepting last year as, as a great sample size because it was, it was such an unusual year for our team. Um, not making excuses, but when you have that quarantine and then you, you have that uh, another 10-day dead period and then you're like told to go play, I just don't think from a player standpoint or even a pitching standpoint, we ever really caught our stride. And so now as we sit here today, how do we create that opportunity moving forward? And um, you mentioned Justin Williams, out of options. There may be a technicality in that because of how they're calculating last year's dates. So that one, I'm, I, I, I believe he's out, but he may not be. Uh, but regardless, you have these guys that really want a chance to play, one at bats. And, you know, that is probably going to be the, the, the most important thing we either get right or we can't make another mistake on. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's going to be critical on, on trying to make sure we get these guys at bats. And then the, the, you know, the most important part is what do they do with them? Yeah. Right? Because we got to see us, we have to see an uptick in our offense or it's going to be a long year. Could we see Libertor, who was part of the Rosarena deal, could we see uh, Thompson, those two guys, could they be major leaguers at some point this year? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You see that happen? Be quite a jump. It would be. And, you know, the, I think the, the good thing for them is, you know, they're going to get some exposure in camp. They're going to be guys that, um, you know, get to be seen by our major league staff uh, again. And, um, you know, hopefully they can make the most of it. But they're both talented young men. Uh, I'm excited that we have lefties in our system. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if they saw the big leagues this year. How about Nolan Gorman? Uh, another young man that we're, you know, really excited about. And 
when you ask about the big leagues, I assume you're asking at some point this year, not like breaking camp with us. But, Correct. But like, you know, when you think about where, where Nolan was, he would have likely played at double A last year. Um, you know, unfortunately, that season didn't happen. So we'll probably get him some at bats there. But by the end of the year, he's likely at triple A. And at that point, as I've always told you, anything can happen then. Sure. So, you know, when you look at, at sort of our, our short view of prospects in the terms of guys that can contribute pretty quick, you know, those are three names that just jump out at you. As you know, uh, I know you're going to find this shocking. You probably haven't been asked this at all um, when you go get groceries or gas or whatever. Hey, Mo, uh, what's going on with Yachty and Wayno? So I'll ask you, what's going on with you Yachty? You we would have heard that? What's that? You think we would have heard that question in the crowd? No, I think most yeah. people would have asked about the DH first personally. Yeah, but you know, I agree with you. Eventually it may have gotten there. You know. Yeah, so update on that. Um, you know, I, I'm in contact with both agents. Um, obviously, we understand the importance they've meant to this organization, what their legacy's about. And, you know, I, I'm hopeful that we can find a pathway forward. But, um, you know, there's expectations and then there's, you know, maybe reality. And sometimes they don't always uh, meet. And so, you know, all I would say to our fan base right now is is just be patient, um, <laughs> which I've said all off season. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can find a positive way to resolve this. But, you know, time will tell. Our thanks to John Mosellock. We cross it over next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario, BK, they're coming up next. They'll take you till 2 o'clock and then the fast lane. Uh, All right, BK, what do we have coming up on the show, buddy? So coming up today, baseball-wise, we have J.J. Cooper of Baseball America. They had their updated top 100 list that was released yesterday. I want to ask him about Dylan Carlson, who is in the top 10 in all of baseball now, the highest-rated Cardinals prospects since Alex Reyes. He's still considered a rookie, still has rookie status. So we will ask uh, J.J. Cooper of Baseball America about Dylan Carlson, Liberator as well. I want to ask him about Nolan Gorman's future. That's coming up at 1.30. We also have our guy Jeremy Rutherford coming up at 11.30. And, Dan, if you could have any three players playing well this early in the season, three guys that you had questions about, I think the three that are playing well for the Blues last night, those are the ones that you wanted to see. Well, we got Falk, Cairo. Who else you want? Jordan Bennington. Yeah, Bennington. I, I've been okay with I, I think he's, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. I, I think the goals against have been a little bit misleading. You know, some of those, like in Colorado, he had no shot yep. with, and he he's got pulled. A, Dan, in baseball, he would be the guy that has really good stuff right now that isn't getting the results because his defense is letting him down. Defense hasn't been great. Five on five, I love the blues. Special teams, not so much. It's got to get better. Got to right. stay out of the box. Looking forward to it. That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast powered by I Promise.